Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Miss uh, uh, Fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oh, Mr. Sheffield. That's right. It's a podcast about the nanny. Who knew those things existed? Nanny, maybe you're familiar with it. It's a show from the 90s starring Fran Drescher, and we are here in season four, episode five, Frida Anita Man. <laughs> I am Sean DePasquale here with... Gloria Sheffield. I didn't die of COVID, and so now we're back recording. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody. Surprise, he's alive. You didn't know he was sick, but now you know he's not sick anymore. Yep, and based on how far in advance these episodes are recorded, it has probably been seven years since I was actually sick. I mean, and to be fair, you could be dead from something else by this point. (laughs) (laughs) This episode ends with a memorial to me. (laughs) Dedicated to Shani Pascal. It'll be that sad, um, like, I will remember you. Also, um, it sounds like Sean and Liz were sequestered in a room for many days together, so he's, he's rearing and ready to go. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I've also watched every single episode of the Star Trek Strange New Worlds show and also uh, Mm. the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery. And I am happy to report maybe the two best Star Trek shows I've ever seen in my life. So to get back on topic. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, how how are we going to show about the nanny? Yeah. Um, no, that was uh, that was our new segment called Star Trek Times uh, mm-hmm. with Sean and Toria, and that's over. We're sorry. They're it's gone called, now. It's called COVID Cove, where we talk about <laughs> what Sean did during his bout with COVID. Um, well, this episode, uh, Frida Need a Man, um, is the episode where Fran's aunt Frida, who we have met before. The great um, Lainey Kazan. Lainey, Lainey Kazan. She mm-hmm. comes to stay at the mansion because she is broke. Yes. Um, broke it was is kind a joke. Of, it's kind of a bummer that it, they they uh, seized her nightclub. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but we start this episode out. Well, actually, did you want to begin with uh, writers, directors, all, any of that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So this, this was an interesting episode. It was written, I had, I was curious who wrote this one and it was Frank Lombardi who we've gotten episodes from before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was directed by Dorothy Lyman, who appears to just be directing every episode this season. Mm-hmm. This Lyman is on a tear through uh, the world of the nanny, just directing left and right, edging out every other director they've ever had taking over. I and really, yeah. She's great. She's a great director. So I know. I'm so curious, like, how that came about because it's pretty rare to have one director direct so many episodes of a show. Like, yeah. I'd love to hear about their creative collaboration process. And I'm sure it was, like, pretty amazing. Um, I would die to interview Dorothy Lyman. Mm-hmm. I, I've said it before. I really want to talk to, to Dorothy Lyman. I that don't know so how to reach her or where to find her. Uh, Peter, it, if you're listening, help. Help. <laughs> Send her to us. Um, well, and so this episode starts with Fran saying that she is going to go mingle at the yacht club. Um, yes. And I and then Mr. Sheffield goes, mm, setting your sights a little high. And I was like, that's rude as hell, Mr. Sheffield. Like so you're rude. basically like, mm, out of your league. Um, Every once in a while, he gets super classist with her. It's so strange. I, I so He's rude. like, you're a dirt person. Don't forget it. <laughs> yeah. And so she, we established that, that she's like, you know, and she even says like, you know, I'm not the same person I was when I first started working here. You know, I've got class and, you know, I've got Got taste now, and then she mm-hmm. finds a band aid stuck on her from a bathtub. She's, uh, also, she's also prepping to wear an outfit that genuinely <laughs> looks like she's leading a parade. <laughs> I, I literally later in my notes wrote her outfit is just beyond. 
So then the doorbell rings and Sylvia comes rushing in and she's like, have you heard from your aunt Frida? Who again is Lainey Kazan, the great Broadway star. And Fran's like, well, yeah, she called me and said, you know, her apartment's getting repainted. And so she's going to stay here for the night. And Sylvia's like, no, like her apartment's not getting repainted. She got evicted because she's broke and now you're never going to get rid of her. Um, and then Fran's like, but like, what well, and, her, and her club was turned into a Lomans. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, yeah, the IRS sees her, her nightclub. I want to um, live in the New York City of the nanny where Lomans are prevalent and everywhere. <laughs> I mean, that was the New York – when I moved to New York City, initially, that was the beautiful utopia that existed. And then they all went out of business. Such, Crazy. Such a, and the Lomans in New York, mwah. Uh, just but you know what i will say this for you people in new york uh bargain shopping on your vacations the tj maxx in new york is top notch better than anywhere else but anyway so um if you didn't know i am jewish (laughs) you didn't already know but so i this this scene also it just it's there's a lot of exposition right to set up this episode because you know so we find out that frida has been evicted and then fran's like what about that millionaire Fred she's been dating? Like, can't he help her out? And Sylvia's like, oh, no, no. You know, she doesn't want Fred to know that she's broke because then she's afraid he's going to think she just wants him for uh, his money. Um, and Fran's like, well, doesn't she? <laughs> and and uh, Sylvia's like, yeah, if she's got a brain on her fat head, she will. <laughs> um, and then the doorbell rings again. And uh, Frida and Fred arrive. And Fred is played by none other than Donald O'Connor. And you're probably going, who? (laughs) Well, I was going to say most people will know, but maybe they won't even. I don't know. This is is an old movie, but he was the best friend in Singing in the Rain, and he has the most – I think the first or second most iconic scene from that movie, probably the second most, where he sings Make Him Laugh, and he was such a skilled and agile dancer and – I guess you could say athlete, he literally runs towards walls, runs up them and backflips off them. Yep. For me as a child, it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. It's pretty cool. And and honestly, this was like the days before wire work. So like these guys were like just badasses. <laughs> I mean, it, it is insane. If you have not seen that movie, just go to YouTube and just uh, search for make them laugh. And yeah. watch his tremendous, like, he, like inhuman feats. But also uh, worth noting, this was one of his last three roles that he ever mm-hmm. acted in. He did he did this spot in 1996. Then he was in a movie called Father Frost, also in 96. And then he was in a movie called Out to Sea in 97. And that is his last IMDb credit. God, and so, because what singing in the rain was probably like 1940 or something, or like oh my god, I don't uh, know, I'm making yeah. that up, but I think it's old. It's old. It's um, pretty old movie. I think I, I think it was not 1940, but it was off so long after. Um, also, this uh, oh, the other thing that we established though is that um, Fred, while rich and nice, is kind of a dud in terms of personality. Like he's yeah. he doesn't seem to be especially smart. 1952. Okay, 1952. Yeah, 1940 was way off, but uh, <laughs> we'll cut it. We'll cut it. <laughs> they, they I don't were, think they had talkies yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, so, but so Fred is like a dud and he's dull and he's very vanilla. And, you know, he's kind of like, you know, he has trouble doing things like opening doors because he gets easily confused. And at one point, um, Sylvia goes, how did such a schmageggy get so rich? And Fran goes, this from the woman who voted for Ross Perot. And I went, (laughs) wow, Ross Perot reference. Another thing that our younger listeners or our international listeners might not even know who that is. He was a... Very, very wealthy man who ran for president uh, against. He was the, the he was the, the Bloomberg of his time. So he was the independent candidate running against Bill Clinton and Ross Perot in '96. Uh, nope, you just said no. Ross Perot was the sorry. independent running against Bill Clinton and Bob George Dole. Uh, Bob, Bob Dole. Dole. Thank sorry, you. Bob Dole. Bob and we Dole. do have a Bob Dole reference in here later as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, my dad voted for Ross Perot. <laughs> A lot of people voted for Ross Perot. I mean, you know, a, a viable independent candidate has always been a sort of uh, unicorn in American politics. So every once in a while when you get someone who seems even a little bit not insane, it's like, oh, maybe we could break this two-party system. It never works, and it just serves to throw votes away and take away from the Democratic candidate. But Ross Perot was – I mean, he was – you know – he was very well known at the time. It was a pretty big deal that he got as far as he did. I, I compare him to Bloomberg just because it was a very similar, like he was super, super rich and just throwing all his money behind his, himself as a candidate. Well, um, he also had probably the like least conventional voice and stature of anyone who's ever made yes. it that far in politics. Like <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was often played by petite women in yeah. comedy sketches. He was a tiny man with giant ears was the thing that I remember about like the um, caricature of him. <laughs> um, but anyway, so moving moving on along, we cut to a couple days later and um, Fr- Frida has actually cornered Mr. Sheffield and Cece in the office and he, she's singing Broadway hits to them. Um, yeah. And so – Fran comes in and like ushers her out and Fran is in that like absurd yacht club getup. And yeah. she's like, you know, Frida, you know, your, your snack is ready. You know, it's a 16 pound turkey and sends <laughs> Frida into the kitchen. And Mr. Sheffield, he like loses it. He's literally like, why is this woman still in my house? And she's like, oh, there's a, there's a very good reason for it. And he's like, oh, I don't think there's like any good reason for it. Like he's clearly at his wits end with Frida. And uh, Fran, Fran's like, well, a very wealthy but emotionally repressed man is in love with her but refuses to commit. Um, Because I think – I don't think we like fully mapped it out, but basically Frida's been waiting for Fred to propose. As soon as Mr. Sheffield hears this, he instantly backs off. (laughs) Because it's such a parallel between like his situation with Fran. And he's like, oh, um, you know, these things take time. Uh, Actually, don't rush it. Uh, right. um, he immediately gets defensive for Fred slash himself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah for, and um, he's like, you know, on second thought, like, Frida should just stay here because that man should not be rushed. Yeah. And uh, then Fran sort of takes it a step further. And then she's like, well, you know, he better move fast because she might not necessarily just, you know, hang around waiting till the end of time. So now we've clearly gone back into them fighting about their own relationship. And she's like, and you know, there's plenty of eligible men in this city. And then he yells something mean, like, you know, well, basically like no respectable man would want to date you anyway, or like something horrible. And then, she, you know, they yell at each other and she runs off. Yeah. 
Um, we cut to the yacht club where Fran is trying to uh, pick up a man. She looks mm-hmm. ridiculous in her yacht outfit. And you notice she's wearing a wig. You had brought yes. up how she was wearing a wig in the Rosie O'Donnell episode. I think that's just something Fran's doing now. Like, yeah, you know. she just wears a wig now sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it looks good. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. mixes up her hairstyle. Yep. And she's having a drink, you mm-hmm. know, hoping to attract some wealthy bachelor when she sees Fred sitting alone across the room. And I just wrote, he's so good. Like he, this, he, he's such a consummate like comedian and comic actor that he's someone where even just sitting doing nothing, he can make funny. Like the yeah. expressions on his face, the way he moves his body, like true, truly talented as a comedian. Um, And so Fran invites him over to join. She's just like, he even says, he's like, this is my favorite time of day here. I like to watch the bartenders cut fruit. <laughs> Which I, I like that line. Yeah. And highlights how, you know, lame he is. Um, and she's basically like, you know, Fred, it's clear that you're crazy about my Aunt Frida. Why don't you just pop the question already? And this is where we find out that he hasn't asked Frida to marry him because he thinks that he's not good enough for her. Right. He's like, I'm so dull. I could never give her excitement. You know, right. I can't even dance. He goes, and- I'll never be known for my dancing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very ironic. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and Fran is like, oh, like that's not that's not a problem. Like, you know, we'll have a couple private lessons. Like, you, you have a, a couple private lessons with me. You'll be dancing in no time, and then you'll pop that question because yep. she's clearly just like, you got to ask her to marry you so that she'll get the hell out of the house. Yeah. Um. There was also this kind of funny line where uh, Fran- Fred starts to say, "I can't even," and she thinks he's going to say like, "Have sex anymore," and she goes. Oh, that's fine. You know, most women just like to cuddle. And she's, and then he's like, I was going to say dance. And she goes, Oh, that's fine. That cuddling thing's a myth, <laughs> which was so funny. Um, and so then we cut to this scene in Fran's bedroom that night. Yeah. And she is trying to teach him how to mambo. And there's this like really funny thing where, like, um, you know, the second she turns away, he actually is really, really good. And then when she turns back around, he's like, oh, I'll just never be as good as you. I'll never figure it out. Yeah. Because yeah, he, he doesn't realize that he's good. But then they start dancing together. And this is when it gets super dark. He has a heart attack and falls on top of her. Yeah. And I thought he was dead. So like, did I. They play it like he might be dead because he's just unmoving on top of her. And she's like struggling to get out from underneath him. And she's like kind of like moving her body to try to like get him off of him. And of course, that's the exact moment that uh, Frida walks in and it looks like they're hump, like dry humping. And she's like furious. Um, and then we cut to the hospital. And they're basically all very nervous for Fred, and they go into his room to visit him. And Frida is still pissed because she doesn't believe Fran. She thinks they were fooling around. And then Fred kind of like half wakes up and starts like mumbling, like, no, Fran, you know, a little to the left or whatever. But he's clearly mumbling about dancing. But of course, this just makes it worse. And Frida's like, I knew it. Like, you were fooling around. I'll, you know, I'm so mad. And she chases Fran out of the room and everyone runs after them. Um, And so, you know, Fran is like desperate to explain what has actually happened. Um, And then we go back to the house and we get this great scene where Maxwell doesn't understand how Fran could be into Fred. (laughs) He's like very upset by this. And he's like, 
you know, talking to Niles and, and we get, we, we circle. And, and I was a little confused because I thought, didn't Niles already learn? I guess he never learned exactly what no, was said. He, he still doesn't know exactly what was said. Although I feel like in a previous episode, he sort of like figures it out no, enough. No, but remember then he goes, no, you wouldn't be stupid enough to do that. Oh, right, right, right. He wrote it off. Right. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, he's still in the dark and we get this great, this was, this was maybe my favorite scene in the episode where, where Maxwell is like, oh, okay, Niles, fine. He's like, I will explain to you what happened. He, and then he starts to proceed to give this whole monologue, basically explaining everything that led up to the plane from France and, and, and the miscommunication. But unfortunately, Niles gets distracted right as he like launches into this and he's outside the like office doors fighting with Cece to try to like get her out of the way so he can be alone with Mr. Sheffield to hear this. <laughs> and right as he gets Cece away, he like closes the outside doors, comes in and Mr. Sheffield goes, and that is what I said on the plane. And Niles is like, no, I missed it. <laughs> and, and the physical comedy that is happening behind Mr. Sheffield, like, like Niles and Cece are literally locked in like wrestling combat as he tries to push <laughs> her are. away and she they tries are. to push back. Yeah. Which I, I mean, that, you know, it was great. Like, yeah. It was really great. It was, it was good direction again on Dorothy Lyman's part and on the actors, uh, you know, really being able to sell this sort of like silent argument where she's like, no, you know, clearly Cece's like, I have to go tell Mr. Sheffield something. And he's like, get out of here, you idiot. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the idea that, just the idea that he would pick up a chair and lunge at her. <laughs> yeah, he ends up picking up a chair and like threatening her with it. And she's well, like, okay. also, the other thing that happens, um, which was very funny, is right before that, when, you know, he's like, well, I don't know what the bloody thing is. And Mr. Sheffield goes like, all right, I suppose it's time I tell you. The second he says that, the office phone rings. Niles literally yanks the cord out of the phone <laughs> and he goes, we'll get back to them because he's so desperate. Hey, he just wants to know what happened. Yep. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, and then, so the next day, Frida comes into the kitchen ecstatic. Yeah. It turns out Frank woke up. He Fred. clarified everything. Fred? Oh, my God. Yeah. Fred. Oh, my God. I wrote Frank for the whole rest of the <laughs> But um, Fred walk, uh, woke up. He explained everything and clarified. And then he proposed. So all was forgiven with Fran. Yeah. And everyone in the household is ecstatic because it means that Frida is going to be moving out. But then she's like, well, I can't move out just yet. I haven't even decided where to have the wedding now that I'm getting married. 
right when she says that, Mr. Sheffield walks in from his tennis lessons and he goes, yeah, yeah, because he just heard that, <laughs> wedding, like, you know, or married. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. married. And then she's like, oh, I can have the wedding here. You're a doll. And then she rushes out. Um, and so that establishes that, you know, Mr. Yeah. Sheffield uh, accidentally volunteered his home for this. And this was one of my, I mean, I, one of my favorite lines was she's like, kids, come upstairs and help me try to get into one of my old wedding dresses. I'm going to need to get zipped up because right, we established been married, yeah. like five times before or something. Yeah. And then uh, Brighton very, very forlornly goes, I'll get the pliers. <laughs> so she, I just love that he's just like resigned to that. Um, and they all go upstairs. Like he's not even making a joke. He's like, yeah, this is my life. I'm going to help this old lady get, get into, into a dress she clearly doesn't fit into. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's my Saturday. Yep. Um, and so we then cut to the actual day of the ceremony. And, you know, all these people are at the uh, mansion. And <laughs> Sylvia goes – Sylvia and Netta, Netta are standing next to each other. And Sylvia goes, you know, why do why do family always wait for weddings and funerals to get together? This is so lovely. And then Netta just looks at her and goes, you wore that dress to her last wedding. And then Sylvia looks at her and goes, I'm saving my new one for your shiva. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, really just funny and catty. Good line, yeah. Um, but the real, you know, the real thrust of this is that before the ceremony, Fred comes over to Fran and tells her that he thinks he's actually in love with her right. and that he wants to marry her. And Fran's like – Which uh, kind of comes out of left field, but okay. I'll go with I know. I'll buy it. It's like, I'll okay, buy it. You, you did a little dance. Like, well, maybe he feels like, you know, she, you know – put time in him or who yeah. knows. Well, but so, so she's like, um, like, no, obviously, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. You're going to marry Frida. You love Frida. Like everything is usual. This is how it's supposed to be. We cut to the actual ceremony and Fran is like wedged between Sylvia and Mr. Sheffield. And she's like, this isn't right. This isn't right. I got to stop this wedding. Mr. Sheffield can like tell that she's like seconds away from doing something crazy. So he drags her out into the hallway and and he's like, you are not going to ruin this. And she's like, no, you don't understand. Like, he, he said he loved me and that he doesn't love Frida, so he should not be marrying her. And then he's like, well, of course he did. He just had the near-death experience. He's completely confused. And she's like, oh, so now you're taking it back for him as well. <laughs> um, and then she's like, you know what? You're right. Though, you know, I should just let this happen. Frida's been widowed five times. Maybe, maybe the sixth time will be her lucky charm. And then we hear him say, I do. And then he drops immediately, on the floor. drops dead. And yeah. we get my favorite line in this whole episode is, is Frida going, He said I do. Yeah. <laughs> She's like so adamant that, like, this rich man said I do moments before he died. So it's like, it's official. You can't do anything yep. about it. He I get also, the money. The, the ceremony <laughs> also had this hilarious line where, um, because Frida's been married so many times before, and I guess clearly taken all of her husband's last names, the uh, the the minister's like, "Do you Frida, Rubinsky, like Goldforb, Chongdao, Peterman, <laughs> Peterman?" <laughs> so clearly, in her line of Jewish husbands, she also married a Chinese guy. a Chinese guy at some point. Yeah, it's very um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then, but you know, even though you think that Fred is dead, <laughs> yet again, the the button on this episode is um, Fran is watching 
a video sent from their honeymoon. And she's right. like, Mr. Sheffield, look, like Fred's doing great after his bypass. Quadruple. Is, quadruple, quadruple bypass. bypass. This is him um, on their honeymoon. And it's just footage from Singing in the Rain when he's mm-hmm. doing that bit where he's running up walls. And it was, very, it was you know, cute. Um and my note was, you know, it was just a fun little episode and it's continuing with the continuity of Fran and Mr. Sheffield not being at peace with what yes. happened in Paris. Yes. It, it, this whole season, uh, there's, there seems to be, you know, clearly a through line building of like, we've moved past the will they, won't they, you know, we, we know that they want to. And now it's just a matter of like, what is it going to take for Mr. Sheffield to get over this hump? And and honestly, the next episode um, really gets into the kind of the nitty gritty of why Mr. Sheffield is so reluctant to move forward with Fran. Mm-hmm. And I'll just kind of leave that as a teaser for the next one because I actually found the next episode to be very interesting from a character study point of view. Mm-hmm. This one felt a little light and like fun and like not like a ton happens, but then we like really dig into like Maxwell's psychology in the next episode and I very much enjoyed it. Totally, totally but agree. That was this episode. Yeah. Let's go into segments. All right, segments. And now, segments. So. Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. I'm telling you, I I love it. I love the new. I hope people enjoy this new segment that you might have. I really like no, it. I have no gauge, but I like it every time I hear yeah. it. I dance. Tell us what you guys think. <laughs> Tell us what you guys think. Um, we haven't yeah. heard back yet. Um, yeah. so I I really liked when um Fran's at the yacht club and Fred goes, "Oh, I don't want to interrupt. You look like you're in the middle of something." And she goes, "Yeah, my childbearing years." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You already said it, but I think one of the best slides of the whole episode is Sylvia uh is Fran's like, you know, isn't she after Fred's money talking about uh uh Frida and Sylvia goes, if she has a brain in that fat head of hers she is. <laughs> it was just <laughs> like it's so much venom in that in that response. <laughs> um I I loved when um when Mr. Sheffield is like, you know, basically bitching to Niles about how you know, Fran potentially having something with Fred and he's like, it makes no sense. There's no way that's, you know, that was actually happening because, you know, how could she go from him to, how could she go from me to him? Basically insinuating like, oh, she'd never be interested in Fred because right. like he had had, she'd had such grade A with him. And Niles just goes, oh, what's so great about you? And then he starts to walk away and then realizes he said it out loud and he goes, I mean, what's so great about you is, and then Mr. Sheffield just goes, "Oh, shut up!" <laughs> I just, I'm loving their sort of like, um, they have the almost real married couple banter they in do. this, uh, in this series. Yeah, like they are the like um, the honeymooners. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
And then anything else? I said a bunch of mine already while we were no, going No, I through. mean, I, I, we, you know, th- this was not a, uh, a one-liner episode for me. There, were, there weren't like a ton of standout one-liners. There was a lot of good physical comedy, I thought, and mm-hmm. a lot of good like reactions to things. Um, but I think we hit like the big, the big lines for me anyway. For sure. Yeah. And then with Yiddish, we got Shmageggy, which Shmageggy. is a, a foolish person. We got Schlub, which is like a slovenly person. And then we also got um, the – we got Frida La because when Frida is um, hunched over Fred's hospital bed, she goes, Fred, it's me, Frida La. <laughs> when you add La, like sort of like a, a La sound to the end of the name, it becomes beloved little. So it's often yeah. used, you know, for children or, yep. you know, it's a pet name. In yep. My grandma called me Shondala and my sister Shandala. Uh, sounds Shondala sounds Shondala. like Shondala rhymes. Shondala rhymes. Yeah, that's my <laughs> – <laughs> That's my Jewish portmanteau <laughs> Halloween costume. I'm going to be Shondala Rhymes. <laughs> oh my God. I wish. Um, that, oh, God. You know, oh, you know who I'm going to be for Halloween? Wait, Tell you me. don't go to, do you ever go to AMC theaters? Have you ever seen that Nicole Kidman? Are you going to be Nicole Kidman? Yep. I'm going to have her, that giant uh, AMC Coke that she's carrying around. <laughs> That's such a good costume. Um, but so That's a great t- costume for six people to get. <laughs> Hey, all I know is when I'm in an AMC theater, people cheer when that comes on. And people are insane. They also cheer when a plane lands. So <laughs> Sometimes they cheer when a plane crashes, depending on what side of history you're on. <laughs> uh, but we'll cut that. So then for <laughs> Nanny Trivia, so one of our fantastic listeners um, and IG followers uh, who goes by Le Petite Sparks, she sent trivia that it's gonna blow your mind, Sean. You're gonna you're gonna be so upset that we didn't figure this out. Oh no. Okay. This you know the stewardess in in the season three finale who comes running out and screams like, put up your tray or you you wanna kill us all. And yeah. like even specifically talked about how great that bit was. Mm-hmm. That's Dorothy Lyman. <gasps> yep. Yep. Wow. And the thing is, I know what Dorothy Lyman looks like. I just, I think I just, How do she we had different that? hair and a different, she had different hair than I'm used to seeing her with. Because I think of her as mama's family. Mm-hmm. And she, I think I probably kind of recognized her face, but figured, oh, she must just be someone that like I've seen in other bit parts before. Right. Um, yeah. That, so she had this hilarious little cameo. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's and amazing. I love that it was the finale too. And it was like one of it was one of the things that we were like, that's very funny. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for for uh, letting us know because I, we had, it just totally missed it. Um, and in terms of the character that I related to, I related to Niles the most in wanting to know secrets and wanting to know gossip. I I just love gossip so much. Okay. Um, but I aspirationally. Wish I was Fred because I always wanted to dance. <laughs> always. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I should say I wish – I don't wish I was Fred. I wish I was Donald O'Connor. Like if I could sure. pull that party trick out like at a wedding, like just being a freaking phenomenal dancer, that that would be my preferred secret skill of all skills. Um, I mean I, I love dancing. So I – I feel like I was maybe the Fran in this episode. I I took dance classes as a child, and wow. I went to a theater high school, and I took ballet and tap, and <gasps> I enjoyed it very much. I mean, I, I would never consider myself a dancer, but uh, I when I was doing it, I really liked it. I thought it was 
a lot of fun. It was the most limber I've ever been in my life, certainly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was like, oh yeah, I love dancing. And I, I would gladly teach someone how to dance. Um, I Well, I've also always wanted to I know I would never be able to tap a well, but I would always like to tap just well enough for a bit. That's what mm. I – that's my dream version of tap. A little soft shoe. I have um, I have a little bit more trivia that I just want to share because oh. we spent so much time talking about Dorothy Lyman um, mm-hmm. in this episode. And, uh, you know, Dorothy was a, a very well-known actress before she was directing The Nanny. And I had found this old LA Times article – that was all about how, why is Dorothy Lyman not acting anymore? Like what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was basically Dorothy Lyman at the time was 48. She's 72 now. So this was quite a while ago. Um, she was quoted as telling, telling the Los Angeles Times, I knew Hollywood could be cruel to women, but I never thought it would happen to me. I always thought I was too gifted for an actress to be out of work. I guess I thought I was different. So basically what happened is she like, found herself hitting a, you know, Hollywood age wall where they were just not interested in hiring this lady anymore for anything. And (sighs) Fran wanted a friend to direct the nanny. And they went to her and they were like, hey, will you direct the pilot of the nanny? And the network said no. (laughs) And made them hire a, quote, veteran uh, director. So the job went to Lee Chalet. and at some point, she spent uh, to prove it says to prove her credibility. She spent four months observing Chalet at work um, with no pay, <gasps> spending is. quiet hours in the control booth. Uh, when finally in February, she was asked to direct the last episode, and so <clears throat> Chalet stepped down at the end of the first season, and they quickly replaced him with Lyman, who Fran always wanted to direct to begin with. So to answer our earlier question, that is why Dorothy Lyman has got so much control by the time we get to season four, because this is the person that Fran always wanted to direct this show. Isn't that interesting? That, it is so interesting because I'm, yeah. I, first of all, she does this tremendous job, but yeah. I'm like, how did Fran Drescher know she'd be so good? Because it's like, we all have friends who we think are great, but I wouldn't necessarily be like, you're going to be great at directing professionally. You Isn't know? that interesting? I know. I actually kind of have more questions. Yeah. She said, um, um, I sat in the back of the room for months watching Lee glance at four different monitors and wondering exactly what she was doing. But when I finally got my chance at the controls, it all made sense. My nerves settled and I was fine because I was not afraid to make decisions. Wow. Isn't that interesting? I, I mean, look, I think that most actors want to be directed by an actor director. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of film and TV directors get very um, – they get very focused on camera and placement and lighting and making the shot look good and all of the sort of technical stuff that goes along with filmmaking and they sort of forget to direct the actors. And I think Dorothy probably proved herself as someone as a as a former actress who understood like, sure, the show has to look a certain way and 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 all those things have to be right, but none of it's for anything if the actors aren't also being given proper direction and 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 worked through a scene. And honestly, I, I think Dorothy, some of some of my favorite episodes are Dorothy Lyman episodes. So mm-hmm. I think it was a perfect decision. And, you know, it's funny, this this Los Angeles Times article says, nothing would please Lyman more than to get back in front of the camera, but it's no longer as urgent as it once was. She got the job directing and she's working on a second play and da da da. And it's like really nice that it, that they found a way to like get her in the show every once in a while to just be like, hey, we have like 
you know, royalty working mm-hmm. for us. And like this woman has always belonged in front of a camera. And although she's thriving behind it, let's let's get her in there. And sure enough, you know, she uh she uh killed it when she yeah. does pop up, you know. Yeah. I mean, so much so that 20 years later we were like, man, that was a really funny lady. <laughs> so I thought that was a really yeah. interesting. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's not awesome that she got aged out. That's actually fucking awful. But no, that part's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, stay, stay not on my screen, you old (laughs) hag. What's Uh, no? But it it does. Forty-seven. I'd be I'd be aged out at this point. It's horrible. She was forty-one when she got aged out. Yeah, it's really sad, you know. But it does it does you know you know it does sort of remind you like you stay the course. You know, she she mentions also in this article she was getting ready to move to France. She was like, "I'm done. I'm going to move to France and live a life." And you know, it was it was sort of this opportunity and and Fran's insistence, I think, of like, "No, no, no, no. You you can do this. Like, I want you to do this." That kept her, and she found like a whole new you know life. Uh, uh, and in the second half of her career as a director, which is really interesting. Yeah. And that is Free to Need a Man. That's Free to Need a Man. Folks, Uh, thank you for listening. We went on a lot of tangents this episode, but I think they were mostly relevant. And we're at Oh Mr. Chef Pod on Instagram, where you Mm -hmm. guys are incredible. I just truly cannot stress enough how incredible you guys are in terms of like whenever we pose questions, not even like not even like, hey, have you ever been to a yacht club? But I mean, if we're like Hey, I wonder like about such and such on a technical aspect of the show. You guys will like let yeah. us know and you'll answer the questions or you'll dig in and do the research. And it's such a fun community on there. Yep. Um, and uh, over on Twitter, we're also Oh Mr. Chef Pod. And, you know, you guys are there too sometimes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, well, we'll see you next week. That's right. If you have some time, please leave a five-star review and a rating on iTunes. It's very, very helpful for us to have those on Apple Podcasts. I know we stress this at the end of every episode, but you know, sincerely, if you, if you listen to this show and you haven't done it yet, it takes two seconds and it genuinely helps the show. So please mm-hmm. leave a five-star review. Say why you like the show. It's only got to be like a send, hey, they're great. Whatever it is, it really helps and we'd really appreciate it. And we will see you next week for me and Mrs. Joan. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Bye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. I, uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>